0: Welcome to Bits of Reality Podcast, the podcast that teaches evangelism, discipleship, and how to live out the Word of God. Welcome to this episode of Bits of Reality. It's been a while, but I wanted to touch on a subject that I think is necessary for this day and age, and uh, I think we're certainly dealing with it uh, very much so now with um, just how the world is today. the way to say this would be that you know in in our world today we have access to a a lot of information Uh, of course with the internet um, and the information is basically in overload mode um, 24-7 some of that information is helpful and gives us access to information that 50 to 100 years ago we certainly would not have had and some of the information is even life-saving But not all of it is some of the websites on the internet and some of the some of the offers and uh, Advertisements they really just want to steal your banking information and can even put you out on the street making you homeless Well, I will say that it is very much the same in our spiritual lives There is sound doctrine that is good and nourishing for the soul of a believer. And then there is heretical false doctrine that seeks to make you feel good with its advertisement, but ultimately will dehydrate and destroy your soul until you are a lifeless husk. And in today's episode, I hope I'll be able to show that uh, Paul was dealing with this in uh, Romans when he wrote to the Roman believers. And also, he dealt with it quite a few times when he wrote to Timothy and even Titus. So, today's passage that I want to focus on for a moment here is Romans 16, verses 17 and 18, which says, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them, for such men are slaves not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites and by their smooth and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. So first we see Paul urging the Roman believers to keep their eyes on those who cause dissensions and hindrances. Um, Who were these people, first of all? They They were false teachers. If you've read the New Testament, then you know Paul had his fair share of them. There were the Judaizers who claimed that works were needed to save people and that faith was simply not enough to bring salvation and faith alone in Christ was not enough. Before his conversion, there were guys like Simon the Magician in Acts who asked the apostles and Philip was one of them if he could have the power they had. And the power they had was they were performing miracles at the time, healing the sick and and curing diseases and casting out demons and that sort of thing and he tried to pay them money and tried to buy the Holy Spirit's gifts um, but for him it was all about seeking fame and fortune because at the time Simon was known as a big shot around that area and of course you had the Greeks and Romans who um, worshipped a pantheon of gods for every little thing that was mundane or He had the God of rain, the God of birth, the God of whatever. I'm pretty sure there was probably a God of constipation of some sort, uh, uh, probably. Um, But this is the environment that Paul was dealing with. And so why is Paul warning of this? And how can we pay attention to this in our lives? Well, I said earlier that not all information is helpful or good and there were false teachers roaming about according to Paul these men were causing dissension or as in the Greek it is translated divisions this was because the ever-present battle for Paul was fighting the religious leaders of Israel and those who would sneak in claiming to be part of the Christian faith but ultimately preaching works sometimes Paul would have finished preaching in one city and go on to the next and he would hear that his previous city church Had gotten visitors saying, Well, you can have faith, but you need to do a few of these other things to really be saved. In modern times, we have something similar going on. We have cults and certain quote unquote Christian organizations that claim to be about the faith, but instead they really are seeking fame and fortune while promising those who follow them that, you know, you keep following me, then You know God's gonna bless you and you're gonna be the apple of his eye basically you're gonna be special if you follow me Um, so Paul's urging or or pleading you know on on this behalf uh, is because of how serious this is Paul admits these men are smooth talkers they get enough right in their speech that you hardly notice the error that they bring in it is subtle These guys don't carry around a cardboard sign advertising false teachers over here. In our day, it is the same. Many proclaim to teach about Christ and even are great speakers or orators. But if you read the message of the Bible and then compare it to their words, they are total opposites. And sometimes you really do have to dig in and watch or listen to their message over and over to spot the heresy, but it will be there. Now, he also says these people are a hindrance. These false teachers created a hindrance. They created debates as to whose teaching the early Christians should follow and what was the right teaching. They would say something like, oh, well, you listen to Paul about faith. That's great. Um, But you need to listen to this rabbi or this synagogue leader that I follow. He still looks and, and listens to the Torah and the Ten Commandments, and he's got This great message that says, you can have faith, but you also need to do this and this and this to get saved. And in reality, what they were trying to preach is the gospel of faith and works or faith and etc. You know, you you need these other things to really get you into salvation. The hindrances caused rift in the uh, unity of the believers in Rome. Um. We know from First 1 Corinthians 1:10 1. that amongst believers there's to be unity and no division about the message of the gospel. If the teacher is teaching about the true gospel, then there is to be unity. But Paul, in these verses, is saying, "You're going to have to single out and keep an eye." Or the actual literal translation, when he says, "You know, uh, you need to keep an eye on them," he's basically referring to you need to take aim, as in with an arrow. And hold, holding an arrow in a, in a bow, taking aim. That's the reference to it. And you need to single these guys out who are preaching these heretical things that you haven't heard. And he's saying, if they're preaching something that you have not heard me teach you, then you need to ignore them. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, what's so special about Paul, right? Uh, he's just a man. Well yes he he was just a man but he saw and spoke to Jesus he was blinded miraculously by Jesus and there were others around him uh, that heard the voice but they don't know who it, who it was but they did not see Christ but they heard the voice speaking to Paul and he was later uh, his vision was later miraculously restored again not fully though um and, of course, Paul also performed miracles. Paul performed miracles, he was healing people, he was casting out demons, he was bitten by a venomous snake that should have killed at least 10 men, and yet he was fine. And this could only be attributed to the work of Christ. It, you know, as, as Christ himself argued with the Pharisees, this power that I have cannot come from Satan or is not man-made. It can only be the power of God. So, we see that Paul also told the believers, turn away from them. What does this mean? Well, believe it or not, Paul had the same exact message several times in Timothy and also in Titus. Um, in, in Timothy, I'll, I'll read what he says here. Um, he, he says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 3 here says, I urge you uh, upon my departure for Macedonia... Remain on in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God which is by faith. Um, So, Paul's dealing with this constantly. And at the end of 1 Timothy, uh, he says to Timothy something even stronger uh, I'll look at that right quick and uh tell you what he says he, he says this basically um to Timothy, o Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and opposing arguments of what is falsely called quote unquote knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith so basically uh timothy was was um getting hammered by people of all from all sides with strange doctrines and teachings, and, th- and these were discouraging to him. And Paul was urging him, saying, No, look, what I've taught you, you need to guard and keep teaching. And he said, whatever these other arguments arise, genealogies, myths, speculations, these things do not matter. They have nothing to do with the central message of the gospel. And so... In Titus 3, 9 through 11, Paul says something similar uh, to Titus who is in Crete. He says, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted in thinking and is in sin being self-condemned. So we see this is pretty serious stuff this is not just a well if you want to ignore them or if you just want to you know not pay attention to them no this is serious paul is very serious about this and um so in, in he he warns timothy about this in a few places in first timothy a few places in second timothy and then titus and um the first and second third book of john once they deal with it a little bit as well as far as false teachings So it is a serious thing for Christians to be on the lookout for strange doctrines and pointless speculations with genealogies or whatever have you uh, or disputes about the law that are ultimately unprofitable and worthless. So and we are to reject such people. So we see that if their teaching is erroneous and they continue in it, we can indeed confront such a person. But ultimately, if they are not persuaded then we are to reject them and stay away from them in a practical sense. If we do spend time with them, should they begin their arguments of speculation, genealogies, or foolish controversies, uh, we really just have to either leave the area or tell them, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. It has nothing to do with scripture. It has nothing to do with the faith. And if they try to align it with the faith, that's when you really need to make a clear stand and say it's worthless Scripture says it's worthless. I don't know why you're saying it's not worthless, you know, Um, because what they're really doing is trying to add to Scripture about something that has no real meaning and no real point of of having anything to do with the true gospel of Christ. So notice also uh, that Paul says in verse 18, they are not of Christ, but rather slaves of self and their own appetites. So these men by their smooth and flattering speech you know they also deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting these men are smooth talkers they are confident in what they say they make it sound appealing and as we know amongst christians there is a debate that is a few centuries old did i choose christ or did he choose me do i ultimately have to uh tell him i want you as lord of my life well uh the the Judaizers would have said, well, it's 50-50, 50% God, 50% you. You got to hash out some things on your own. Um, but Christ said no, or uh, Paul, Paul would have said no, it's 100% Christ. Uh, and even faith was a gift that was set to be given before we were ever born. So um, these debates of, of people versus the works of men and, and the work of God, uh, these things are already answered in Scripture. Now, these men also follow after their own appetites. This is a reference about self-interest. These men are after fame, fortune, or simply to make Paul look bad at the time uh, by having a greater number of followers, by uh, causing harm to his actual character. But um, if you've read about Paul's life, you know that they wanted to make him look bad, but also even at times kill him, because wherever he would preach, he would cause an uproar whether by preaching or performing miracles. And so these people would strive to constantly undermine Paul. In Paul's day, the church was growing rapidly. The rabbis in the synagogues would have taken notice if people didn't show up to synagogue for a while, or if they did return, they'd hear an argument for the gospel of Christ. And they were were sick and tired of hearing that, and they were sick and tired of seeing people follow Paul around and listen to his teachings, about these doctrines of Christ. Well for us nowadays the lines can get blurred because of most every pastor or teacher has their own blog or YouTube channel or podcast though I'd hope that the title of their podcasts or videos ought to be enough to uh, for believers to steer clear of their erroneous teachings such as for instance live your best life now why wait for heaven declaring heaven to come to you or come down. These things are erroneous and not found in scripture. These things, or if they are found in scripture as in phrases, they are taken out of context and being mistaught or uh, misrepresented by what the actual context is. So the followers of the false teachers were also uh, very self-interested individuals. They were self-serving. These men and women follow the idol that is of self, that takes many forms and can be subtle enough to even be within the true Christian congregation. Um, and and this can be in the, in the form of a pastor or teachers or whoever promoting themselves constantly and saying, buy this program, buy this thing, buy this. Or, or the biggest one yet is if you ever hear a pastor saying that the church is a business, the church is a business. That is extremely dangerous to say. The church is not a business. Christ calls the church his bride. Uh, So that is, I would say that's quite blasphemous. And we know how Christ felt with that equation. Uh, In the gospels, Christ went into the temple and cleared out the the tax collectors and and money changers that were trying to sell things in the temple. And he called them uh, a den of robbers and thieves. And, and even serpents. So we know that Christ's way of thinking about it was not the same as a modern day uh, preacher would in one sense. So also let's look here at the uh, another point that they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting or also you could say for unsuspecting naive as some translations would state it. They deceive the hearts of those that are possibly new believers or those who lack discernment amidst Christians. So remember, these guys are smooth talkers. They make their errors sound good. They follow their own appetites. And they really know who to go after. They know their targeted audience. And the reason I I wanted to mention about uh, new believers or those who lack discernment amongst Christians, new believers and those who lack discernment, um, they are the easiest prey for false teachers. New believers, because... Maybe they've just entered the faith. Maybe they've only heard the teaching of maybe a few verses of scripture, and the Holy Spirit convicted them to to look further, right? And they and they said, you know what? I believe that faith is faith in Christ is all you need for salvation. I, I believe that, right? They took that and and held to that firmly. Now there's a teacher that says, well, you only read this much of the Bible. Let me tell you about this other portion that says this and this and this out of context is what they really mean. And so these false teachers were smooth talkers and deceiving people constantly. And those who, who lacked discernment were those that were naive, that were, you know, they believed in everything anyone ever said. They were, in, in another sense, they were gullible, um, naive or gullible in one sense. Uh, remember, these these people prey on such a... person that is naive and so this would have been their easiest targets and um, which is very interesting to me but we as sinful humans are very susceptible to this. No man is really above self-interest except Christ who said there is no greater love than for one man to lay down his life for his friends. That is the ultimate selfless life. The message of Christ was to live a selfless life of service Seeking the benefit of others above our own. And these teachers ultimately are going to teach God is all about you. God is all for you. In in another manner, speaking for them, uh, their message is really about you're the apple of God's eye. He practically gets up every morning and he just ogles over you. He just, oh, what are you? You're such a perfect little creature. I have to basically worship you. It is such a blasphemous teaching that God is all on us, that we can do no wrong in God's sight. Um, And that is not biblical at all. These false teachers are also a mirror of what we see in our time. Um, They might have larger congregations, bigger crowds, more books selling, or whatever it may be. And it may be a so-called, quote, positive, unquote, message. But... Is it the true message? Positivity in every situation does not mean the truth. Uh, It does not mean reality. Um, Oftentimes, with these teachers, um, they can even teach that if you believe in what I'm teaching you, uh, you'll be more special than others in heaven due to your birthright or where you came from or who your fathers were. While at the same time, these men line their pockets and live immorally as later scandals of gross sin and misconduct will be revealed new believers are naive believers are the most susceptible to false teaching i make the distinction between new and naive because not everyone has discernment of the bereans uh, bereans were those that hammered paul about hey are you really teaching what you're supposed to be teaching where does it say that in the bible um the Bereans were all about what does the scripture say and do you actually teach what the scriptures say or is it just about yourself? Um, so how how do we keep our brothers from falling into the snares of false teaching? Discipleship, meeting together, uh, praying together, studying together is necessary, but also individually we must search out the word of God and trusted teachers and commentators who have studied far longer than ourselves and what I mean by commentators is those who have studied the scripture for much longer and have gone back to the original languages and um, translated them and then explained them from the original language. So it's a very, it's a very fine line that we have to find um, when we seek out biblical truth. Um in, in conclusion, I want to say this, that the threat of false teachers is very real. Not everyone who claims to be about Christ is about Christ. The simple way to discern whether he's a false teacher or not is if the Bible, mainly New Testament, I, w- I would say, because the Old Testament was mainly for Jewish people to to understand. It was the, the Old Testament was pointing to Christ, ultimately, to what he would accomplish on the cross. Uh, now, there are things that we can take on and learn from the old testament as practical living of trying to live a holy life as christ commanded but ultimately the message of the gospel and the cross is found in the new testament and the old testament points to that so the old testament still has use and still has validity it's not just completely to be dismissed but everything has to be in context who what when where for who was it written um so but since we know that the false teachers uh, are very real you need to know also their origins the first false teacher was satan himself he's been promoting falsehood since before humanity existed in heaven his false teaching started in heaven he thought he could replace god and that he alone deserved worship and we know that a third of heaven followed him and his deception and then he went to the Garden of Eden. He asked Eve one question. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? What about you, Eve? What do you want? What's in your self-interest? What's going to make you feel good, right? That is what led humanity to be where we are now in a, in a sinful state of being in a sinful, sinful world. So he then proceeded to change what God said, and certainly he was asking Eve about her own self-interest, and of course, Adam followed. So how do we stay away from falling into such a thing? Paul answered that in Second 2 Thessalonians 2.15. He said, Brethren, stand firm and hold to the teachings which you have been already taught, whether by word of mouth or by letters from us. That is the apostles. That is the New Testament. Um always go back to what scripture says as you read scripture don't seek things out of self-interest or positivity or what's going to make you feel good the point of scripture is to glorify God humble man and to present Christ as the sole savior of humans that are in sin Um, so we see that our job as faithful believers is only to seek the interest of God and to bring glory to him and him alone in our times together, we need to remind each other of this because all the information overload can cause us to forget or simply stumble along the way. And that is certainly easy to do because of just how much is trying to, is being put in our brains every single day. So I hope this helped you understand a little bit about false teaching and false teachers and how dangerous they really are. Maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you are a um, know someone that's a new believer and you want to give them uh, understanding as to what the difference is between proper biblical teaching and false teaching. Uh, well, I hope this audio and, and this podcast helps them understand that. Um, the biggest point and the biggest takeaway is if someone is preaching about self-interest, positivity, and how good you look to God... That is serious error. Well, that's it for me. That's all the time I've got. And I hope this helped. Love you, saints.